So we are starting a new series that will lead us up to Christmas, and one of the words um, for the series, you might be able to guess. Starts with a B. Any takers? Anybody? The series is called, if you nailed it, yes, you win. Uh, cup of coffee on me on your way out. All right, it, it's called if you feel blessed like I do. And so we're going to be exploring that idea leading us up to Christmas. If you feel blessed like I do, dot, dot, dot. And to be honest, I might be the wrong person to start this series. And some of you are like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I could have told you that. But because I have a complicated relationship with the word blessed. Because I feel like it's used in kind of a ridiculous way sometimes. Like, for instance, if you went out Black Friday shopping on Friday and you pulled into the parking lot and right close to the front door there happened to be a parking spot, hashtag blessed. (laughs) Blessed. Thank you, Jesus. He loves me. You know what I mean? It's like, or, you know, I don't have this issue, this never happens to me, but maybe you woke up in the morning and you're getting ready and your hair just landed just the way you wanted it. <laughs> Blessed. You know, or you had a great meal, it was delicious and everything came and the turkey didn't get burned and everything just turned out exactly the way you wanted. Man, we had a blessed Thanksgiving. And that's fine, and we should celebrate those things. I have no problem with that. But there's a, there's a subtle issue on the back end of that, is that if maybe you didn't have the best hair day this morning, maybe you're not blessed. Or maybe if your turkey got burned, or maybe you just didn't even have turkey because you couldn't afford it, maybe you're not blessed. Or, or how about this? God bless America. When some people say it, it, it's like, God, please, bless America. Help us to do what it is that we want to do. But when some people say, God bless America, at the end of that is, and forget everybody else. And so I have a complicated relationship with the word blessed. But I think the reason we have this distorted take on blessing and what it means to have blessing and what it means to be essentially cursed as a result of not being blessed, I think actually that it's tied into old views of God. And I think we find some of these old views of God in some of the biblical stories. In fact, in Deuteronomy, there's this this section where Moses is talking to the people and he's delivering a message for God. And we have some of those verses. Can Can we go ahead and put those up? It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all the blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Here's a list of blessings that you can expect. Your towns and your fields We'll be blessed. Let's keep moving. Drum roll, please. 
All right, I'll, I'll paraphrase. Your crops, they'll grow. Your relationships, they'll flourish. Your families will be healthy. Everything that you desire will work out for you. And you, your family, and our entire relational group will be blessed above, and you will have a great name for all the people. And that sounds fantastic. That sounds amazing. Who wouldn't want things to line up exactly the way we want them to? I want to be blessed. I want that. But there's a back end to this. A few verses later, there's a different list. There's a different set of expectations that you can have if you don't fall in line with the blessing. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops, guess what? They'll be cursed. You're catching on. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be cursed wherever you go and whatever you do will be cursed. And some of you guys are like, well, this is an uplifting start of the Christmas season message. Thank I'm glad I came to church this morning. And I'll, I'll, I'll continue. Um, boils, tumors, diseases, crops will fail, your animals will fail. One of my favorites, your fiance, some other guy's going to come snatch her up. It's in there. Read, read the Bible. It's there. And then this one is my favorite. Someone will come along and steal your bull. They'll cook it. And they won't even give you a bite. Now that is cursed. I'm going to take your bull, I'm going to cook it right in front of you, and I'm eating every bat, and you can't even have a bite of your own bull. And so this is a view of God. And on some level, it's understandable that we would come to these conclusions about God. Because usually when you do good, you get good. Usually when you follow the rules, things fall in line. And when you do bad, generally speaking, things go bad. Things don't work out. And when we do right and our families do right, we want our families to prosper. That's just natural. It's just normal. And when other people do the wrong thing, when our coworkers and when that group over there does the wrong thing, well, we kind of hope, whether we say it out loud or not, that they don't prosper. So it's an understandable view to have of God, and it's an understandable view to take to how the, the universe should manifest itself. But I think it's limited. It's an understanding starting place, but I think it's limited. I'll give you an example. Not too long ago, one of my daughters, Isabel, who's five, fresh in kindergarten, loving school, loving her teachers, loving what she's learning, came up to me and she said, Dad, I'm a bucket filler. And I said, excuse me? What did you say? <laughs> she said, I'm a bucket filler. And I said, she didn't give me any context. She didn't tell me what that meant. I kind of understood what she was saying. And then she kind of just disappeared. And then I heard her later on call her twin sister a bucket dipper. You're a bucket dipper. I was like, what? You can't call your sister a bucket. I don't know what it means, but you can't call your sister a bucket dipper. 
And then I did a little bit of investigation. And there's this idea. It's in books for adults. It's in books for children. And it's this beautiful idea that every single human being you ever meet is carrying a bucket. And you can either fill their bucket with things like kindness and generosity and love and words of affirmation. Or you can dip right into their bucket and take their joy. You can, instead of encouraging, you can discourage. Instead of helping, you can hurt. And so everybody you ever meet and you yourself are carrying around a bucket. And this is a great way to look at life. I love that my daughter sees herself as a filler. Unfortunately, she sees her twin sister as a dipper at any given point. And they swap. They change roles. They've been dipping into each other's buckets, I'll be honest with you, okay? And it's an understandable, beautiful way to look at life. However, I think it's limited. I think it's incomplete. Because think about what this reduces you to. This bucket can only hold so much. There's only so much this bucket can contain at any one point. It can be spilled. It can be emptied. Someone else has the power to come along and empty your bucket. And think about buckets. I could fill this thing with Evian water to the top. Are you going to want to drink it two months from now if I leave it in this bucket? I can purify this water. It could be the most pure. It could come straight from a natural source that our water bottles claim to come from. And I guarantee you that nobody in this room, well, okay, a couple of you would do it, but most of us in this room would not want to drink what's in there because if something sits, if something is just contained and stagnant, it gets stale, it grows bacteria, and it ultimately, something that was at once a good source of life, will ultimately be harmful and destructive. And so I realize that it's a metaphor, and I realize that it's helping my children navigate kindness, and I'm thankful for it. But I hope my kids grow out of the idea of being a bucket filler and that they step into something so much more beautiful. I said a minute ago that there was an early view of God and blessing that is this. You do the right thing, you're blessed. You do the wrong thing, you're cursed. Well, there's another early view in the same Old Testament scriptures. There were some people who were tapped into something else alongside of those ideas of God. And it goes like this, that God created human beings in God's image. That we are physical, tangible representations of the very essence of love that is always endlessly streaming through the universe. That's beautiful. And there's another early view of blessing that is found in some of these same scriptures. 
God told a man named Abraham in the scriptures that I am going to bless you. And that through, listen to this, not you will hold, not you will contain, not you will take ownership of, but through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Through your very life, through who you are, and through your family lineage, everyone is going to feel the blessing. That's a completely different thing than from seeing everybody else as a bucket, and we have to walk around and fill each other's buckets, and that one's depleted, and oh, let me add some of yours, and can you give me some? That there's an endless stream of blessing that you are tapped into and that it is flowing through your life. Let me say this to you this morning. You are not a container. You are a conduit. You are a channel through which an endless stream of generosity and kindness and blessing and love and forgiveness and grace flows through if you so choose to be so. Because we can stop that flow at any time. And how do we stop that flow? Is we stop to see ourselves as conduits and we start to believe that we are containers. So let's go back to the idea of blessing and curses. There's a lot of people around us who are stacking up things for ourselves. If I don't hold on to this, someone else is going to get it. If I don't store this all up for myself and my family, someone else is going to. And so it's this scarcity mindset that makes people fold in. Did you know that there is enough food and water on this planet that no human being should be hungry? No human person should be thirsty. So why do we have poverty? Why are people dying every day of starvation? Because some of us believe we're containers. Some of us believe that we are containers and that we have to fill our own lives with blessings and hold on to them. My family unit, my bank account, my life, me, 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 and as a result, we block the flow for other people to receive. There's a story in the Scriptures where a teacher of religious law comes up to Jesus and says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? which is kind of like asking, how can I fit the ocean in this bucket? If you think about it, it's kind of a ridiculous question. What can I do to hold on to? What can I do to grab a hold of? What can I do to tap into eternity? But Jesus, being the teacher that he was, asked the man a question. Well, what did Moses say? And the man rightly replies, well, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and also love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus looks at the man and says, exactly, do that and you'll live. Conversation's over. 
until the man asks, who's my neighbor? In other words, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. I want to make sure I'm lining up. My, I want to make sure I'm getting my bucket in the right place to receive the blessing. I want to be full. I want to, I want to overflow a little bit. Not too much, but I'll give a little bit. But who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story. He says there was a Jewish man on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And along his journey, two bandits jump out from behind the bushes, beat him up, strip his clothes, take his possessions, and leave him half dead. Beat him unrecognizably, leave him beside the road to die, and take off with their stuff. They were bucket dippers. Or, yeah, dippers, by the way. And then it says, a priest walked by, saw the man, and kept going. Crossed to the other side of the road and kept going. I like to think the priest probably said, you know, God help that poor soul. And then just kept walking. And then it says, not long after that, a Levite or someone who worked in the temple passed by and saw the man lying and did the same thing. Oh, that's unfortunate. Glad that's not me. Glad that's, whew, that must have been rough. And kept walking. And then it says, and this is when everybody's ears would have perked up, and this is when the whole story was completely flipped, and all the rugs were pulled out from underneath the crowd that day. He said, and then a Samaritan. A what? Excuse me, Jesus? A who? Yeah, a Samaritan passed by, and he saw the man, and he looked on him with compassion. He felt compassion. And this is where the English language fails, this translation of Scripture. Because when we look at somebody with compassion, we all do this. We all pass people. We pass homeless people. We pass people who are hurting. We pass people who are physically, visibly suffering. And we say, oh, man, that's... But this word in the Greek, this word compassion, which I will not try to pronounce, means he was moved in his inward parts. He was moved in his bowels. He felt this man's pain at a gut level. He felt it, in other words, as if it were his own pain. When the other men passed that day, they said, man, I'm glad that's not me. When the Samaritan passed that day, he said, there I am, broken and beaten and laying on the side of the road. And he felt so connected to the man. He didn't just say, you know what, let me, let me give you a little bit of something to help yourself out. Scripture says he grabbed the man, he put oil on his wounds, he wrapped him up, he put him, and the Scripture is careful to say, on his own donkey. And he took him to an inn. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? 
we stop seeing ourselves as individual containers some of which are full and some of which are depleted and empty, and we start seeing that we are all channels connected to the infinite. This man didn't see a broken J Jewish man laying on the side of the road. He saw himself, and this is why that's key. That word compassion used in that passage is used six times in the New Testament. And every other time it is used, it is used in reference to Jesus himself. So the fact that that same word is used for a Samaritan who were mortal enemies of the Jewish people. They did not get along. They did not interact. They wouldn't go into each other's homes. They were not friends. And Jesus flips everybody's paradigm and says, no, it was a Samaritan man who realized that we're not containers. We are conduits of love and blessing. So let me ask you this question this morning. Who do you think received a blessing that day in this story? Is there a difference? This man puts him on his donkey and takes the broken man to the inn and says, here is some money. My money. My money. Fix him up, take care of him, watch over him, and when I return, if you have used more money than I've given you, let me know and I will pay the bill. The story doesn't tell us. Jesus doesn't go on with the story, but let's, let's, let's travel down the road a little bit with this story. What do you think the Jewish man thought when he woke up and found out that a Samaritan patched him up, put him on his donkey, and took care of him like none of his Jewish brothers did? You want to feel blessing? We start to feel blessing when we realize that we're not separate. Yes, we all come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And we're diverse racially. We, we come from different walks of life different orientations, different world views. But when we start to see the world through the eyes of love and real blessing, all the barriers that we put up for ourselves start to disappear. And we realize that we are all conduits of blessing. Now let me say this about conduits. Conduits don't cling. Conduits are open channels through which everything can flow. So here's what this means. We tend to believe that if I do for this, if I give to this, if I reach out for this, if I help this, if I pour myself into this, I'm somehow depleting from my supply. That's a container worldview. A conduit worldview knows that the very same thing that I'm passing on is at all times coursing through me simultaneously. You can't give away love because you are love. You can't tap out forgiveness because it's an endless stream. 
You can't out-bless other people because there is no end to blessing. The only way that happens, and the only way we experience the world that way is if we pick back up our bucket. If we walk around life trying to be filled like a bucket. I'll give you another example of my kids. A lot of times in the morning for breakfast, they want cereal. And I started with these little tiny bowls because they were little tiny humans. But at some point, they were like, Dad, who are you trying to kid? Like, give me the, I want the grown-up bowl. Like, give me the... <laughs> Put the plastic bowl away. Give me, I, want the gla- I want the real bowl. And so I got the real bowls down, and I put them in front of them, and I fill them up, and I pour the milk, and halfway through the bowl, you know what my kids do? Every one of them, God love them, they say, Dad, I want more. And I say, there's plenty of cereal right there in the bowl. I know, but I want more. And I have the box of cereal right in front of them. And here's what I tell them. I say lovingly, as the loving father that I am. I say, beloved children of mine, listen. Sweethearts, if you finish what's in that bowl, I will fill it up. But the idea of seeing the bottom of the bowl is too much for them to handle. They can't even stomach the idea. So you know what they do? They just stop eating. They push the bowl away, milk flies, and dramatically storm off. You're a bucket dipper, Dad! And they disappear. We know that's silly when we look at kids, but sometimes we do the same thing. I want more. Give me more. And there's this message telling us that all that you can't, you can't out love. You don't lack, and you never will lack. You're never going to run dry. There's a constant stream in your life. No, no, no. I want to see it. I want more. Give me more. Give me more. And it's a container worldview. And so let me ask you this this morning. When the Christmas season and the holiday season comes around, do you feel discontent? Do you feel less than blessed? There's probably a number of factors there, but let me ask, I wonder if it has something to do with maybe we are seeing the world as a container. I can't give people the amount of presents I would like to give them. I don't have the resources. Times are hard this year. Or, you know, I, I wish I had. Or, or how about this? For some people, Christmas is really hard because we've lost loved ones. And so Christmas and the holiday season is a reminder of what we don't have anymore. I, listen, I promise you I understand that. But even that is a container worldview. Because while we no longer have the physical manifestation of those loved ones, do you have their words? Do you have memories of the way they loved you? Poured into you? 
unselfishly served you? There's no end to that. There's no bottom to that. That doesn't have an expiration date. You can't pour that out. It is always at all times there. So hold on to the beauty and the memory and the love. Or how about this? Maybe, maybe you have the opposite problem. Maybe it's not who's gone. Maybe it's who's still there. Lord, help me. Jesus. Man. Uncle so-and-so or aunt, you know, mother-in-law or father-in-law, whatever it is. We have complicated relationships. In our, we, we, we view ourselves and our lives as this bucket. And I've got people in this bucket that I wish I could take out. Man, these people have such a great home life. They're, they have like this amazing, if I were to sneak up to their window for, during the holidays and look in, everybody's singing songs, there's somebody around the piano and everybody else is just huddled next to them just singing carols until midnight. And my life is complicated and my family's difficult and my relationships are strained. I get that. But even that, is a limited container view. Because here's this. If you have a stream, if you have uh, just an entire collection of difficult relationships in your family, here's, here's the truth. Friends are the family we choose. You might have people in your life that are difficult. You might have family members who are connected to you. But when you get out of a container worldview and step into a conduit worldview, you realize that family is not limited to ancestry or last name or country of origin. You see that we are all interconnected. And so we all have access to families beyond our circles, and we can welcome those streams of love into our lives. If you don't like who's around your table this holiday season, why don't you invite somebody else to join? If you feel blessed like I do, get out of the way and just let it flow. Kick the bucket over and realize that we are all conduits of blessing. We are blessed as we are blessing. How about this? We are blessings. And when you let that reality pour into your life, I think it will change the way you feel. I think it will lead this season into one to remember. Because as we open to possibility, as we kick away our limited ideas of life, we realize that we are at all times in the flow of endless grace and love and blessing.